0: It makes sense, Watson. There is danger, Douglas, now at Burlston House. Burlston. (laughs) Inspector McDonald's here, sir. Oh, Oh, come in. Come in, Mr. Mac. I fear this means that there is some mischief afoot. Great heavens. Why, Watson, that's the error. That paper, those names. Just a little cipher, Dr. Watson and I have been amusing ourselves with. What I came here to tell you was that uh, Mr. Douglas of Billstone Manor House Billstone was murdered late last night. It was a grim coincidence. Watson's my name, Dr. Watson. Privileged to share the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. I'll tell you about the Valley of Fear which began with Holmes being rather bad-mannered. You'll see what I mean in a moment. Holmes? Hmm? I'm inclined to think. I should do so, Watson. (laughs) Well, Holmes... I call myself one of the most long suffering of mortals with them. But what, my dear Watson? Well, dash it all. You're only really too trying at times. You sit there, your breakfast untasted. It's Porlock's writing. There can be no doubt of it. The Greek <laughs> E with a peculiar top flourish is distinctive. Then who is Porlock? Huh? Porlock? Oh, Porlock, Watson, is an undeplumed. <laughs> A mere identification mark. Behind it lies a shifty and evasive personality. <laughs> they knew something in common, whoever he is. <laughs> the point is taken. <laughs> oh, Porlach is an important man. What? Oh, not for himself, but for the great man with whom he's in touch. you hmm? You heard me speak of Professor Moriarty heard of Moriarty. (laughs) He must be about as famous among crooks as... He's the greatest schemer of all time. The Mm. controlling brain of the underworld. But look here, Holmes, you were talking about this chap, Pollock. Oh, yes. The so-called Pollock is my link. And this letter of his? Something of the same kind, I don't doubt. Only we had the key to the cipher. Cipher? Let me have a look at the letter. There you are. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, nothing but groups of figures and two or three names. There's not much use sending a cipher message to someone who hasn't the key, is it? 534 C two. 27 seven four uh-huh. Douglas seventeen twenty-six Burlstone. Forty six Burlstone. Huh. It's clearly a reference to the words in the page of some book. Well, then why hasn't he indicated what book it is? My dear Watson, your native shrewdness, that innate cunning which is the delight of your friends, would surely prevent you from enclosing both the message and its key in the same envelope. Ah, Mm. I shall be surprised if our second poster... Excuse me, gentlemen. Ah, Mrs. Hudson. The second poster's just come, Mr. Holmes. A letter for you, sir. As I expected. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Uh, Thank you, sir. Nothing for you, Dr. Watson, sir. Oh, very well. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> i think on this, Watson. The same. Yes, we're getting on. Ah. Oh. What's the matter? Dear me, this is very disappointing. I trust Porlock won't come to any harm. Why, what's he say? Dear Mr. Holmes, I will go no further in this matter. I can see that he suspects me. Mm -hmm. I had actually addressed this envelope to send you the key to the cipher, but he came on me quite unexpectedly, and I was only just able to cover it up. Good heavens. Please burn the cipher message. It can be of no use to you now, Porlock. I presume the other was Moriarty. When any of that party talk about he, you know whom they mean. Anyway, friend, Thorlock is evidently scared out of his wits. It's pretty maddening, isn't it, Holmes, to think there may be an important secret hidden on this piece of paper and we haven't the power to penetrate. Yes. But then I wonder. Hmm. Look here. The cipher message begins with a large 534. Hmm. We take it as a working hypothesis that 534 is the page to which the cipher refers. So our book has already become a large book. Well, what else is there? The next sign is C2. What do you make of that? Oh, chapter two. No, hardly. If the page number is given, the chapter number is immaterial. In any case, if page 534 only finds us in the second chapter, the first chapter must have been almost intolerable. Oh, column then. Um, column two. Brilliant, Watson. You're scintillating this morning. Oh, thanks. So now we begin to visualize a large book printed in double columns. Well? Have we reached the limits of what reason can supply? Rezo. Surely you do yourself an injustice. If the volume had been an unusual one, he would have sent it to me. So? Don't you see? He used a book he thought I'd have no difficulty in finding for myself. A very well-known book, Watson. Large and printed in double columns... A book in very common use. The Bible. Good, Watson, good. (laughs) But not, if I may say so, quite good enough. Mm? Why? Even if I accepted the compliment for myself, I could hardly name any volume less likely to lie at the elbow of one of Moriarty's (laughs) associates. Besides, the editions of Holy Writ are so numerous that he could hardly suppose that two copies would have the same page contents. No, this is clearly a standardized book he knows for certain that his page 534 will exactly agree with mine. The Almanac? Ah, the Almanac. Excellent, Watson. Excellent. It may be the very thing. Uh, It has a large number of pages. uh, Yes, and it's in double column. uh, If I remember correctly, it's reserved in its early vocabulary, but becomes quite garrulous towards the end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, well, uh, let's try it, Holmes. Yes, now then... uh, now, here is page 55, column 2. Word number 13 is there. Put it down, Watson. Yeah, there. Down. There, yes. Yeah. Word 27 is. There. there is. Yes, that sounds better. And next we have, uh, we have... Danger. This is it, Watson. I'm sure of it. Ah, the word um, Douglas comes next. Yes, and then uh, uh, 15, uh. 16, 17. The 17th word now. Oh, good. Uh, 21, 2, 3, 4, 25, 26. At. Yes, there is danger, Douglas, now at. Oh, at Boston. The word comes next. Then there's another number. Then, then Boston again. Uh, what? 43, 44, 45, 46. House. Huh? It makes sense, Watson. There is danger, Douglas, now at Burlston House, Burlston. Well, well, Holmes, we did it. We did indeed, my dear Watson. <laughs> <laughs> we did indeed. Oh. Inspector McDonald's here, sir. Oh, come in. Come in, Mr. Mack. Oh, oh, you're an uh, early bird uh, today. Mr. Watson. <laughs> Morning, Inspector. I fear this means that there is some mischief afoot. Great heavens. Why, Watson, I wasn't swear... That paper, those names. Huh? Oh, this, this. Just a little cipher, Dr. Watson and I have been amusing ourselves with. We exhausted its possibilities just before you came in. Well, I hate to spoil your pleasure, gentlemen, only. Uh... Yes. What I came here to tell you was that uh, Mr. Douglas of Biddlestone Manor House, Biddlestone, was murdered late last night. What? Remarkable. Remarkable. And the reason I came to tell you of it is that our only clue so far is a card found beside the body with what appears to be a cipher written on it. The letters VV341. And I know your interest in ciphers, Mr. Holmes. Mr. Mack. I receive a communication from a quarter which I know to be important. It warns me that danger threatens a certain person. Within the hour, I learn that this danger has actually materialized and that the person is dead. I was going down to Billstone this morning. Oh, it seems we might perhaps be doing better work in London. Oh, how so? Well, since I take it that envelope lying there is the one your message <laughs> came in, <laughs> and your <laughs> eagle eyes noted it was posted in Camberwell. Uh, exactly. Well, the... I'd better tell you at once. My correspondent's name is Pollock. It's an assumed name. I promised when he first wrote that I wouldn't try to trace it. Do you think there's someone behind him? I know there is. Uh, this professor of her dimension? Exactly. Uh, I might have known. Uh, Mr. Holmes, I won't conceal from you that we in the CID are inclined to think you may have a wee bit of a, a bee in your bonnet over this professor chap. Oh, dear. Mr. Mack, you've read about Jonathan Wilde, I take it? Uh, Yes. Yes, uh, some sort of criminal in the old days. Everything comes in circles, Mr. Mack, even Professor Moriarty. Jonathan Wilde was the hidden force of the London criminals in the 1750s or thereabouts. He sold them his brains and his organization on a 15% commission. The old wheel turns and the same spoke comes up. Sometime when you've a year or two to spare, Mr. Mack, I commend to you the study of Professor Moriarty. Well, well, he'll keep in the meantime. What really counts is that remark of yours about some connection between the professor and this crime at Billstone. Moriarty rules his people with a rod of iron. There is only one punishment in his code. It is death. So we might suppose that this murdered man, this Douglas, had in some way betrayed the chief. Pollock would know he was about to be punished. Well, that's <laughs> an idea. Or Moriarty may have been engaged to engineer it on the promise of a part of the spoils. Either is possible. And don't it could be something entirely different. Whatever it may be, we must look for the solution down at Burlster's. Then let's be going. Oh, good Lord, it's later than I thought. Good. You've got five minutes to get ready, gentlemen. It'll do. Watson, be good enough to ring for our boots. Right away. Sir. While I change out of this dressing gown. <coughs> Oh, uh, Mr. Mack. Aye? The, uh, the temptation to form premature theories is the bane of our profession. Hmm. So let's make a bargain about that from the start, shall we? Uh, no theories from me till I can support them with facts. <laughs> Very well. A bargain, Mr. Holmes. Good. Now, I can only see two things for certain at present. A great brain in London and a dead man in Sussex. It's the chain between that we're going to trace. Oh, uh, pass over that deer stalker. There's a good fellow. Watson and I don't get a trip into the country every. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Mr. Dr. Watson. Meet uh, Mr. White Mason, Chief Detective of the Sussex Constabulary. Uh, How to meet you. Know, you know. How do you do? Glad to have you with us, gentlemen. Very glad indeed. Uh, real downright snorter we have on our hands here, and no mistake. Well, there's a carriage outside, and Sergeant Wilson's waiting in it. He's the local man down here, first in on this business. And he can give us the details as we drive. Uh, that's it. So come along, gentlemen. I'll lead the way. Excellent. Excellent. gentlemen, it was 11.45 last evening. The first word reached me at my house. It was Mr. Barker, come pealing like mad at the bell and told me there'd been a hurried murder at the manor. Mr. Barker? Who is he? Uh, Mr. Cecil James Barker, sir. Of Hale's Lodge, Hampstead, is the particulars I got. (laughs) He's well-known down here. Often comes down to stay at the manor with Mr. and Mrs. Douglas. Thank you, sir, Milton. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Well... It was a little past twelve when I got there. The sergeants were all staring about in the hall. Proper shaken, they looked. I see. Well, just then, Dr. Wood from the village arrived, and Mr. Barker led us into the room where the body lay. It was Mr. Douglas's study. You'll find it open straight into the hall, sir. Uh, just a moment, Sergeant. When you say Mr. Barker led us into the room, to whom exactly does the us refer? Uh, just me and Dr. Wood, sir. Oh. Oh. And Ames, the butler. Yes, he come in behind us and closed the door after him to stop the maid servant seeing? And see. then what did you see, Sergeant? <clears throat> the deceased lay in the center of the room, sir. He was on his back with his arms and legs outstretched. He was wearing only a pink dressing gown with his night under it. There were carpet slippers on his bare feet. His head had been nearly blown to pieces. God, heaven. what's the blood about then? Oh, something shocking, sir. Any weapon? Uh, yes, sir. There was a shotgun lying across his chest. The barrels have been sawn off short, and the triggers were wired together, so they'd go off together. Doctor said he'd have a lot straight in his face, gross rain. Mm, nasty weapon. Uh, then this job, sir, as you'll see. Well, while Doctor Wood went upstairs to see the Mrs. Douglas, I got me notebook out and asked Mr. Barker a few questions. I've got the notes with me here. Yes, this is it. No. First of all, I asked him whether anything had been touched since the business was discovered. Now, if anything has been touched since this business was discovered. Nothing has been touched in this room, Sergeant. You see it exactly as I found it. And when exactly was that, sir? It was just half past eleven. How long from hearing the report before you entered the room? Thirty seconds at the outside. Thirty seconds. Lord Douglas was lying just as you see him. His bedroom candle was burning on the table. I oh, see the lamp is burning now, sir. That was lit later, no doubt. The lamp? Ah, yes, sir. I lit that a few minutes after I came into the room. Did you see anyone, sir? No one. I heard Mrs. Douglas coming down the stairs, and I rushed out to prevent her from seeing this dreadful sight. Mrs. Allen, the housekeeper, came and took her away. The butler, Ames here, arrived... We ran back into the room again together. I see. Ames came with you then. Yes, Constable. Uh, <clears throat> Sergeant, if you don't mind. Uh, now, sir, this moat that runs right round the house here. Yes? Uh, would the drawbridge across be up or down at the time? It was up. Until I loaded myself to come and fetch you, Sergeant. I see. Ah. You're wondering how anyone could have got away from the house after shooting Mr. Douglas. Well, sir, unless unless Mr. Douglas shot himself. Oh no, that is out of the question. If you step over to this window, yes, sir, and have a look at this. When I pull back this curtain, you will see the window is fully open. That is just how Ames and I found it. And here, on the window ledge, a smear of blood and this mark. Oh. My guess that's the mark made by the sole of someone's boot as he was getting out. Well, I see what you mean, sir. Dropped down into the moat and waded across, you see. But you see, when I closed the curtain again, the window's quite screened off. Now, can you tell me, sir, what time the drawbridge would have been raised for the night? Ems could tell you that. And it was nearly six o'clock. If anyone come from outside, they must have got it across the bridge before six and hid somewhere So Mr. Douglas come into the room. And the man was waiting for him in here. He shot Mr. Douglas, left the gun behind him, and got away through the window. That's how I read it, Sergeant? Uh, very likely, sir, very likely. <laughs> ah, Dr. Wood. How is she? Mrs. Douglas? Oh, she's bearing up remarkably well in the circumstances, I'd say. Oh. Uh, hello, Sergeant. You found something? Yeah. This card, sir. Uh-huh. Under the dead man's shoulder. You haven't spotted it? Why, no. I never noticed it at all. What's that written on it? VV341. Hmm. Scribbled in ink. Nothing else. What on earth can that mean? Beyond me, for the moment, sir. Oh, by the way, Sergeant, uh, this hammer on the rug here, uh, want me to examine it? Might just be a blood stain, you know. Hmm. Yes, looks quite clean, though, to me. Uh, uh, better put it back on the rug where you found it, please, Doctor. Oil it if anything's got moved before the detectives got here. Oh, I'm sorry, Sergeant. I should have known better. I wonder what it was doing on the floor. Mr. Douglas was altering the pictures yesterday. That's the hammer he was using, that's all. I see. Well, perhaps I'll take a closer look over the body. No marks of violence, save for the head wounds. You never know, though. Uh, right you are, Doctor. Now, I'd better take a good look around this room, too. Yes, but I'd have thought... uh, What is it, Sergeant? Sailing master. Where? Here, over the front. marks what what he boots. Oh, yes. Now what time would these curtains be gone last night? man? At four o'clock, sir, when the lamps were lit. And that is a bad bear out my theory, doesn't it? A burglar, perhaps. I say, never seen a mark like this before. Now, what have you found, Doctor? Here, on the forearm. Uh, let me see. Well, sort of tattoo. A triangle inside a circle. Yes, sir. Many a time I've seen that mark when the master rolled his sleeves up to watch. He never told me what... Well, strike me, Ames. I do beg pardon, sir. Look, sir, the master's wedding ring. It's gone. Good Lord. You're sure about that, Mr. Ames? No doubt at all, Sergeant. Always wore it. That ring with the rough nugget on it was above it. You're quite right, Aime. No, just a minute now, just a minute. Did you say the nugget ring was always wore above the wedding ring? Always. <laughs> Never changed. But that means the murderer, or whoever it was, took that nugget ring off him to steal the wedding ring. And then put the nugget ring back on again. There's the nugget. The wedding ring's gone. Well, that makes this the rummest jewel I ever struck. It's a deal too thick for the likes of me. I not mind so. And that's about as far as I can report for you, gentlemen. Remarkable. Most remarkable. Do you know I can hardly recall any case in my experience where the features have been more peculiar? I rather thought you'd say that. We're well up with the times in Sussex, you can see. Yes, indeed. I arrived to take over from Sergeant Wilson between three and four this morning. I examined the gun. There is no complete maker's name on it. Just the first three letters on the fluting between the barrels. The rest has been cut off by the saw. What three letters? P-E-N. I can't think what that comes from. Pennsylvania Small Arms Company. American, sir. I've heard about sold-off shotguns in the States. It might mean the chap who broke in and killed Douglas was an American. Sir, there is one other thing. Yes? About America, sir. The deceased and his wife spent a long time living there, in California. Oh, that's interesting, eh, Holmes. Anything else, Sergeant? Well, sir, just that Mr. Sissel Barker was in America, too. He told me he was a friend of Mr. Douglas there. Oh, by the way, Mr. Holmes, Ames says he'd never seen a gun of this sort in the house before. The gun was made to conceal. It would fit into any box. But why would a murderer carry a shotgun in with him? If he'd any sense, he'd choose the quietest weapon he could find. Something he can kill with and not make a sound... See through the moat and row well clear of the place hours before anyone finds what's happened. You're right there. Ah. I take it. This is our destination. Yeah, this is Burlston Manor. I see. Quite a place, eh? Seventeenth century, most of it, they tell me. huh That's our celebrated moat. Yes. Pretty muddy looking, isn't it? Well, the water brings down the clay. Generally, about this color. You know, a chap could have drowned in it, couldn't he? He'd never spot him under that. <laughs> not much likelihood of that. Oh, not more than a foot deep near the edges and, and two of the most in the middle. Hmm. Well, then, here we are. Here. Yes. Sergeant yes. Wilson. Sir? You can take the carriage and get away home for some rest. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mason, sir. My missus the one anywhere. I've got you since last night. All right, then. Out we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, close the door, will you, please, Ames? Yes, sir. Uh, Inspector MacDonald and Mister Holmes would like to ask you a few questions. Ames, I understand you to have said that you often saw this mark on your late master's forearm. Frequently, sir. You never had anyone refer to its meaning? Never, sir. I notice there's a small piece of plaster at the angle of the deceased's jaw. Here, do you see? Uh, yes, I I see it, sir. He cut himself shaving yesterday morning. Did he appear nervous at all? Could that be why he cut himself? It struck me he was a little restless and excited, sir. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Holmes, anything to add? Thank you. Ames, this card with VV341 scrawled on it, sir. I noticed that in this room there is only black ink in the inkwell. Always. But this writing is purplish in color. It's been done with a broad pen, and the ones in here are fine. Obviously, then, it wasn't written in here. That's a point. Can you make anything of the inscription names? No, sir. Nothing. Holmes, um, it makes me think of one of some society or other. And I'm inclined to agree with you, Dr. Watson. What about that, Mr. Holmes? An agent from this society gets into the house, waits for Douglas, kills him, and escapes by way of the moat. But he leaves this card behind so that when the case is reported in the papers, the other members of the society will know the deed's been done. Vengeance or something. Plausible. But why this clumsy weapon? Well... And why the missing ring? mm. And why no arrest? It's past two now. I take it that since dawn, every constable within 40 miles radius has been out looking for signs of a wet stranger. They certainly have, Mr. Holmes. Unless he's got a hideaway nearby or a change of clothes, they can hardly miss him. And yet they have missed him up to now. Well, Ames, I think that is all. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh, one moment, Ames. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Uh, What is this under the side table? those are mr douglas's dumbbells sir for exercise Dumbbell? i think you mean there's only one well there were two sir the other must be somewhere about i haven't noticed for some months one dumbbell very well their names that'll do thank you sir Oh, Mr. Barker, sir. Ah. Thanks. May I come in, gentlemen? Uh, By all means, Mr. Barker. I don't wish to interrupt you, but Oh, not at all, sir. Your fellows have found a bicycle. Where? In a clump of evergreens, not a hundred yards from the hall door. Obviously hidden, I'd say. Now that's a new line of reckoning. Come on, Mason, we'd better take a look at once. Yes. You coming, Mr. Holmes? Of course. Now, what in the name of all that's wonderful makes the chap leave it behind? And how in the world has he got away? We don't seem to get a gleam of light in this case, do we, Mister Holmes? Don't we, Mister May? I wonder. I wonder. One of the stories about Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. We're presenting it in three parts. You've just been listening to part one. In real life, my name is Norman Shelley. My friend Carlton Hobbs played Sherlock Holmes, and I was Dr. Watson. Michael Hardwick wrote our script for this BBC production from London. We look forward to the pleasure of your company again very soon for part two of the Valley of Fear.